Welcome to Living Waters, everyone. I am Ryan. So glad that you're here with us today. Um, we're gonna before we let the middle schoolers go. Can we just say, look at how cool the building looks? It's getting painted. Look at that. Ah, Jake's checking it out. Almost on time, buddy. So close. It's a long drive down from the property. Uh, I'm kidding. All right, he's the best. Let's not. Let's no one look at Jake when he comes in like we were talking about him. All right. Play it super cool, everybody. All right, middle schoolers, the team is back there waiting for you. You are welcome to go. Go hang out, have some fun. We are continuing our little bit of an expanded uh, emotionally healthy spirituality journey. We had some of you asking questions, um, and, uh, and we're hoping that we have time. I have some, some time to answer those questions this morning, and, and if we don't, we will just continue to take questions throughout this next week, and we'll, and we'll go one more week on emotionally healthy spirituality. Some of you have come to us and said, let's keep this going forever, and I was like... Here's the trick. We are doing this every week. It's what we do. Um, but uh, some of you are also saying, can we move on from all that emotional mumbo jumbo? Can we just get back to like, teach the word, man. Don't, don't talk to me about my feelings. Not, I wouldn't assume by my voice that that was a, a dude would say that to me. <laughs> I apologize for that gross generalization I just made. Um, but uh, so here we are, emotionally healthy spirituality. I want to continue uh, to to just take take some time to talk through this and and address some of the things that you guys brought up. And I'm not going to reteach it. We've had incredible teachers. Uh, Drew and Kim have done a great job. Uh, there's been a couple weeks early on where I shared. There is a, you are welcome to go back onto our website, onto our YouTube, and you can see the different messages that are are there. So I don't have to reteach all of the foundational stuff of emotionally healthy spirituality. I will share just a few things, um, and then we're going to jump into some application and some practical stuff. Before we do that, I want to mention a few things that are important, and as we get trucking along in, in the life of our community, I, I, uh, we don't always have time to, to share these things, and so this morning, with a little bit of space that we have, I want to make sure that you note the, um, hey, good morning. Um, I want to make sure that you note the, the, the handouts that are in front of you. They have the QR code on there. They are right there in front of you. If you need information, if, you're, if Ryan's talking about the messages he's given, where do I find those? Just jump onto that QR code. It has all the connection points you need. It has the different resources that we have for you. Uh, we also want to make sure that you know we have a lot of new folks joining our community. Um, if you are new to Living Waters, meet. there's a meet and greet at, uh, and lunch on September 18th right after this gathering. And so if you want to sign up for that so we know how much meat to bring to the meet and greet, um, you could let us know. That would be super helpful. Um, and then we have ways to give if you are new to Living Waters and, uh, and haven't been around, uh, we would like to invite you to participate in generosity of what keeps this church and this community going. Um, there's several ways that you can give. One will be a QR code that will be up there in just a second. The other ways to give are in the black boxes right back here. Anytime you want to drop off an offering in there, you can. Actually, I think, oh, there it is. I was going to say, I think that same QR code that's on the welcome thing is there. So you can text to give 84321, the black boxes, 
and you can give online. We would love to uh, invite you to participate in generosity with what God is doing here. And, and uh, it really does take all of us moving in generosity. I'm not just throwing this out there and saying, hey, you gotta do this because God tells you to do it. I'm, I'm telling you, like for us to be a healthy, thriving community, to have the impact on lives inside and outside the church that we need to have, that we want to have, it part of that process is just all of us moving and functioning in generosity. Believing in what God is doing means sowing resources into it. And so we invite you to participate in that. Uh, Abide is on September 8th, and uh, it is coming up. It's at 6.30 to 8 on September 8th. It's a night of worship and prayer, and this one is uh, commemorating, or it's actually marking the fires. And, uh, and so what we want to do is we want to take a specific time just to pray over the continued recovery of our community, over the continued goodness that we're seeing God doing in that, even in the most difficult of things, but also for him to continue to meet people as, as communities and individuals and are struggling to rebuild and are looking at, God, what, what do you have for me? What does it look like? And so let's come together as a community as of faith just uh, in Jesus to worship and pray together on September 8th. And then uh, one last thing I want to highlight, this is, this is really important to me is that for men, we have a head to heart uh, coming up and uh, Pete and Christian are leading that. And it is a, from September 13th to November 29th, it is every other Tuesday night. So it's not overtaxing of your schedule. And it's an opportunity to get together with other men on a weekly basis who are loving Jesus, walking in discipleship journey with him, getting to know other men and learning to walk in emotional health by, by sharing our lives with one another. And so men, I challenge you um, as a part of this house, I challenge you to jump in and be a, be a part of Head to Heart coming up. It begins on September 13th. Okay, there is uh, your, um, there's your highlights for the next six months. I may never do that again. Um, but it's good for you to know what's happening around here. Um, also, we did, we're going to start making monthly or little videos. I don't know if you saw that. Um, Kate and I made a video. It was um, painful. Um, so... <laughs> So if you want to watch it, it's very entertaining. We will try to be less uh, awkward and mannequin-y on our next one. Uh, if you watch it, you can actually watch what happens on my face as she's, as she's talking. And I'm like, well, it looks like I just passed out. Like, I don't know what happened. Maybe it's the sound of her voice. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, no, check it out. It's fun. We, we love each other. We really do. <laughs> Deeply. Okay, so um, in order to be fully alive, as we talk about, we ask the question here at Living Waters, the basis of who we are is this question, what do you look like fully alive in Jesus? And, and part of Jesus' promise is that he has come to give us life and life to the fullest. And so what does that look like? While we understand that in Scripture and as we study the Word, that so much of the promises of God are all are based in eternity and our eternal life, but we have to also understand the reality of the tension of that he is not just taking every all of these promises for our full life and, and pushing them way off into the future and be like, good luck for the now. Wait, just wait till you get to the future. And like, I know that we have to have that hope of future, a home and an eternity with him. However, when I'm reading scriptures, as we're interpreting scriptures, we see that Jesus's message was the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it is tangible within reach. We can reach out, we can grab it, and we can take hold of it. So when he promises us full life, that he would come, that we would have fullness of life, it means that we get to experience the full life of Jesus right now in our discipleship journey with him. Discipleship journey being 
allowing him to teach us, to reform us, to redeem us, to restore us, and to bring us into his image. And so we understand that those promises of the fullness of life are for now and are for today. And in order to be fully alive, it means that we have to fully feel. And that means that we have to pay attention to our emotions. We have to pay attention to our physiological responses to different situations. What am I feeling in my emotions? What am I feeling in my physical body? These are all indicators of suppressed emotions. These are indicators of things that I'm feeling. And if we're shutting those things down, we are shutting down a window or a, a window is fine. I would think more like we're shutting down a doorway to walk through into experiencing the fullness of Jesus and a deep relationship with him that we get to know know him as we are awakened to how we are feeling and what we're feeling and how he wants to show us the healing and the redemption process that he has for us in those places. And so we know that in Genesis 1:27, God made us, made humankind, mankind in his image. He created us in the image of God, male and female. He created us and I believe and we believe that that image includes physical and spiritual and emotional intellectual and social dimensions. And as Drew noted from last week as he, as he taught, nope, it wasn't last week. Last week, oh my goodness, last week was so rad. I don't know if those of you that joined us, Community Life Sunday, it was awesome. We got to go out into the community. We got to serve, picking up trash, doing different things, having a meal in here. It was rad. The week before, Drew taught a great message on emotionally healthy spirituality. And he mentioned Mark 12, where Jesus was asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is representative of the whole person, the body, the mind, the will, the emotions, and the spirit that we are talking about when we come to talk about emotionally healthy spirituality. Ignoring any aspect of that fullness of who we are as men and women made in God's image. It ignores an entire, if we ignore any of that, it can shut down an entire part of who we are and who Jesus wants to be alive in us through. And so if we are to become like Christ, we have to open up our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, our mind, our body, our will, our emotions, and our, our, our spirit. And this includes or impacts our emotional maturity. So God wants to set us free to be fully alive in every area of our personhood. The problem is, is that if we come to Jesus, we, we live in, in this Christian realm or we come to church, sometimes we can be taught to ignore the incongruity that we might be feeling between who we are told Jesus is and the fullness of life that we are to experience and the reality of what we're experiencing or the reality of what we are not experiencing. And that incongruity, when it's not there, of like, oh, we're in here singing songs and we're talking about Jesus and we feel so alive. And then we go home and we're sitting in our car and we're discouraged and we're frustrated. Are we asking ourselves the question, why is there such a gap between what I am being told I should be feeling and what I'm actually experiencing? And religion would say, oh, no, 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 absolutely not. Do not look at that gap. It doesn't exist. And just like shake some, some sprinkle some holy water on it or something. And instead of going, wait a minute, if I am not experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus offered me, and that is not, there's an incongruency between that and what I'm living out, I need to ask the question, why is that? And so part of emotional, healthy spirituality is asking ourselves the hard question, why is my experienced 
reality with Jesus different than the taught reality that I'm being given in church or from, or from other people. Or we are taught not only to ignore that incongruity, we're taught to su- suppress these negative emotions or feelings, and I will say negative with a parenthetical around them because we do have a tendency to categorize emotions as positive, those are good ones to have, and negative ones, those are bad ones to have. And when we have good emotions, we feel good about ourselves, and when we have bad emotions, we feel like something must be broken or off or God is certainly disappointed in us for having these negative emotions, right? And so one of, the, one of the most simple lessons we can learn is that all emotions are indicators and all emotions are pathways for God to make himself known to us and for us to make ourselves known to God. The second thing is we cannot ignore emotions just because we feel like they're negative. They are extremely important Warning lights, they're extremely important. Uh, Points on a map, they're extremely important data for us to have about how we're doing internally on our journey of fullness of life in Jesus. And so what we don't want to do is learn to bury things deeper and deeper and deeper, whether it's that incongruity I was talking about or whether it's negative emotions. Religion says bury it and put a nice shiny surface over the top of it. The problem is is that anything that's buried alive becomes a seed, and out of that seed grows your behavior, your thinking, and how you, how you interact with the world around you. And so what we wanna make sure that we're doing is that we are not just burying things alive, that we are not allowing things that God wants to defeat. Oh goodness, bumper sticker preaching again, I'm sorry. If I see this on somebody's bumper sticker, a t-shirt, I, I'm, I'm retiring. Uh, we don't want to push things down and make them dormant when God wants to defeat them. So what happens is if you think about a volcano that's dormant, what does that mean? It means it's just waiting for the time to erupt, right? Well, what happens when we push things down, push things down, we ignore emotions, we ignore the incongruity, push it down, push it down, keep being the good Christian, keep showing up to church, keep serving, keep doing all the things. All we're doing is we're piling layers and layers and layers upon this, this, this belief or this pain or this whatever it might be. Oh, and it's dormant. But that doesn't mean that it's defeated. And in its dormancy, it will find a way, eventually will find its way to the surface. And what happens that's very unfortunate is that a lot of times we have built many layers of a life over that dormant thing. And so when it does explode, it destroys a lot of layers that we have built. And what we want is we want way less layers. And we want we don't want dormant things being buried, especially if they're things that God wants to defeat. He wants to remove those things from our life. And I'm not talking about him defeating negative emotions. Don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. He wants to defeat the things that are causing the emotions that we're having to be things that control our behavior. Emotions are not inherently bad. It is how we respond to them and what comes out of our choices based on what we're feeling. And so what God is asking to defeat is some of the wounds, some of the lies that we're believing, some of the lies we're believing about ourselves, but also mostly some of the lies we're believing about God. And if we just bury those things down, they will eventually find their way to the surface. We believe that an encounter with Jesus works its way out Just as something being buried alive would be dormant, we believe that an encounter with Jesus works its way out into every area of our life. And in Luke 19, we have this story of Zacchaeus. I want to read it to you. It's a short little story. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) 
My best jokes are the ones that I don't even mean to make. Jesus entered Jericho, and as he was passing through, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. All, these, all the people saw this, and they began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost." So the reason that I love this story when I'm talking about emotionally healthy spirituality is one, is it shows a picture of Jesus' compassion on those who are stuck, whether it's in a tree or for Zacchaeus, while he was in a tree, he was stuck in a behavior pattern of being greedy and ripping people off and lying to people. And so he was stuck in that place. Jesus has compassion on us when we are feeling stuck. But the other reason in this little truncated version of a journey that I believe that Jesus wants to take us on, where when we have been looking for him, and then we encounter him at the core in our home, in our heart, when we encounter him, that it results in changed behavior. It wasn't the changed behavior that got Zacchaeus recognized, correct? So much of religion is change your behavior and Jesus will see you. Effort, 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 effort. As opposed to, I am stuck Jesus sees me in the place that I'm stuck. He calls me to himself. He says, I want to come to you. And he meets me where I'm at. And out of that results in changed behavior. Encounter with Jesus results in changed behavior. Changed behavior does not result in encounter with Jesus. And we have to get that at the heart of our journey for emotional and spiritual health is that we may be stuck we may feel like we're in this cycle, but it is Jesus coming to us and encountering us in that place that results in changed behavior. And yes, it's a very short story. There's a whole bunch of details that are probably left out of that story, but you get to see Jesus calling this man out of a place he is stuck, meeting him where he is at, having this encounter, and then his result is his changed life. It is this, this place of being d deeply changed. And that is what we desire for people here, is that you would encounter Jesus in a way that undoes previous patterns of thinking, of feeling, of acting. And it would open up to us an entirely new way of following Jesus, the way of Jesus. We don't want a to teach people a way of just layering religiosity over their life, but actually inviting him into the midst of our life in a way that says, I'm not gonna just dress this up. I don't care if the core of my life is a little bit messy or I'm feeling kind of stuck right now. I know that you see me and that you say, hey, I'm coming to where you are and I wanna be with you. And that's the power of Jesus meeting us in our emotions, in what we're feeling, in what we're thinking, in what we're believing. I want to talk a little bit about this verse from Jesus in this old versus new wineskins in Mark 2.22. And Jesus says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour, they pour new wine 
into new wineskins. And so the, the context of this word, verse is extremely powerful because it's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But it's talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the presence of God. It's talking about that in the context of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, of the old religious system of, of priests and, 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 and sacrifices and following the, the law and this new re, uh, reality that Jesus is bringing. His kingdom come, his will be done. So his kingdom and there and it's the context of this old covenant and this new covenant and Jesus is saying to them I cannot pour out my spirit upon the old covenant I can't pour out my spirit upon the old way of doing religion I am doing something new and if you try to fit what I'm doing into the old covenant it will burst it apart but if you receive it in this new covenant it will be able to be taken in, aged well, and poured out to the world. And that's what we see, the Spirit of God poured out like a river flowing out of us to the nations, to people. And, and, and so that's what we're seeing in the context. But if you take that understanding of the wineskin as, as a opportunity for us to have a scriptural example of what I'm talking about. What I believe is that God wants to do something new in our life. And when we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality and the ways that the things of our past or the stuff that we've gone through or what we believe or what we think, how that exists. And when we bring those old ways of thinking and doing and believing, and we bring those to God, who's wanting to pour out a fresh thing on our life, our old systems, our old wineskin does not have the capacity to contain what God wants to do. We need to be able to bring new ways of thinking, new ways of feeling, new ways of processing, new ways of believing to Jesus as a wineskin offering to him to say, here is a wineskin and he will pour himself out. He will pour the new thing that he wants to do in your life, in your family, in your cycle, in your journey. He wants to pour it into a new wineskin. The problem is, is that we continue to bring old wineskins to him and we just bury and hide things and we're like, oh, don't look at all this. But that is the wineskin that we're offering to the Lord to do a new thing in our family. And what we find instead is just the repetition of the things that we're trying to break, right? Instead, what if we brought, continue to work on the things, not work-based, but we continue to work on the things that we're feeling, believing, and sensing. And we bring those things to the Lord and he allows that as a new wineskin and pours himself out on us. And we see the new things that he is doing and we stop offering him old wineskins. So what are some signs? Let's talk practically. What are some signs that we are offering the Lord old wineskins of emotional health? Some of these are paraphrased from the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and I want to make sure that that's clear so that you guys can find that book and spend a little bit more time in depth on some of these concepts. So some of the things that would be indicators on a practical level for us is this, ignoring the emotions of anger and sadness and fear. That's what I was talking about early, earlier. It's, a, it's, a, it's ignoring those negative emotions. When we, are not health, when we are not honest with ourselves about our hurts and our pains beneath the surface of our life, we are offering the Lord an old wineskin to do a new thing. Another sign that we're offering the Lord an old wineskin is this, that we're dying to the wrong things. I talk about this often. This is one of my passions. 
But God has given us a healthy desire and a passion for so many things. And sometimes religion comes in and says, oh, you gotta die to this and die to this and die to this. I absolutely believe that the beginning of our journey with Jesus is the dying to ourselves and saying it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And and that's even why we celebrate with baptism, that we are one with Jesus in his death and we are one with him as we come out of the water in the resurrection. I believe that we have to die to ourselves, our old self, to come alive in the new self. But it is not, what God is not asking us to do is to die to a lot of things that we are, that religion would say, oh, you gotta get that out of your life, you gotta get this out of your life, friendships and beauty and joy and music and laughter and the different stuff that God has given to us that sometimes we feel like, God, is this really from you? And we have to be mature enough to be able to differentiate between the things that God is asking us to let go of because they're resulting in negative behavior and the things that God has given us as part of ourselves that makes us unique. Stop dying to the things that make you unique and how God has created you in order to please him because a father is never pleased when his child is not living fully alive in the things that he's created them in. So when we have struggle and we're dying to the wrong things and then we have a struggle to die to the things that we know we want to die to like self-protectiveness and defensiveness or lack of vulnerability or judgmentalism, we have a problem. We are dying to the wrong things. Another sign of of living and offering these old wineskins is this, we're denying the past impact on the present. You guys, we've spent the last several weeks talking about this, so I'm not gonna belabor this point, but we have to be able to consider how our family of origin or significant events from our past are still affecting the way that we behave today. What we believe about ourselves, what we believe about our circumstances, what we believe about others, and what we believe about God are so often dictated and determined by the journey of our history and the things that have happened to us in the past. And religion tells us, strive forward, where Jesus says, sometimes we have to go back in order to go forward. And it is in the meeting us in these things that have entangled us. And he can untie us from these false beliefs and these things and set us free from victim thinking. He can set us free from, these, from this reality of having our entire life determined and dictated by things that have happened to us in the past. And then we can go forward. We don't want your forward progress to be marked with struggle and striving. If it is... It may be time to say, you know what? I wonder if there's some things in the past that I'm entangled with that are keeping me from being able to go forward, like a giant bungee cord, right? I love this teaching because it's, I get to talk about my favorite, um, one of my favorite movies, which is Three Amigos. Do any, can any of you think of the, of the scene that I'm talking about when, when he's in the prison and he's got the chains and the chains are weighted and they have the keys hanging on the other side of the jail cell and if he can get to the keys, he can unlock the door. Do you guys remember? You gotta go watch it. And so he is, he is, he's got ankles and wrists and, he's, and they're weighted and so he's trying so hard to get to the keys to unlock his chains so that he can get out of the prison that he's in and I'm like, oh my goodness, that is what my Christian journey has been like at certain places, just dragging the weight with me to try to get to the freedom that I know is right there. And the beauty of that picture is that Jesus wants to give us the opportunity to walk into that place and unlock those things and set us free so that we can go and do the things we want to do. One of the things, another thing that might be an indicator that we're offering him old wineskins of thinking and believing and feeling for him to do a new thing is that we're doing for God instead of being with God. 
So when I demonstrate Christian behaviors so that significant people will think well of me, when I exaggerate my accomplishments for God and subtly compete with others, when I pronounce the Lord told me I should do this, when the truth is I think the Lord told me I should do this, and when I evaluate myself on what I'm doing rather than by his love and by his grace, I'm in competition and comparison rather than living in grace. And when those things are taking place, I may be offering the Lord an old wineskin of emotional health to do a new thing in. Another thing is this, spiritualizing away conflict. When I bury tension, when I avoid conflict, I just go, oh man, I, I don't, I don't want to create any upheaval. I'll pray for that person or whatever. You know, spiritualize it away. When really what is needed is a direct conversation and love with that person to be able to bring about peace, a resolution of it. When Jesus talks about us being peacemakers, his, his, his idea behind that is not that we would avoid conflict. It's that we would be people who carry the Prince of Peace so that when we go into any conflict, we bring peace. We make peace in our presence, in the things that we're doing, how we are approaching things. And with the spiritual maturity and the spiritual authority that we bring into our relationships and into our life, we can be people who actually manifest peace in these areas rather than saying, oh, I like peace. I have such a peaceful life. Do you have such a peaceful life because you're spiritualizing away every single conflict? Do you, have a, do you have peace in your life because you're avoiding conflict? Maybe in some places where God is asking you to say, you know what, I need you to go into that place. Even if it's a place in your past that has nothing to do with a person, I need you to go into that, into that place. And you're like, oh no, that will undo the peace in my life. And he's like, yes, I love undoing false peace. Like, it, 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 if you have to suffer through a season of everything being in upheaval so that you can experience the reality of the Prince of Peace, not only in your future, but in that place, you will grow so much more mature in your journey with Jesus. So we wanna be people who are not spiritualizing away or avoiding conflict and calling it peace. When we cover over brokenness, weakness, and failure, when I hide behind God talk, when I deflect any spotlight on my inner cracks and I become super defensive about my failures, when I'm not speaking freely about my weaknesses and failures and mistakes, and I'm not talking about this false humility where we're like, oh, I'm a worm, I'm a worm, I'm a worm. Let me just tell you how terrible I am. That's different. We won't go into it, but that's different. What we're talking about is the thing of I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to prove myself to you. I don't have to impress you. And you may judge my spiritual journey or my spirituality, and that's okay. Because I'm not living for your favor. I'm on a process with my Father who's taking me on a journey. And I'm okay with that. Because I understand in that, in that, you will understand what Paul means when he says his grace is, is sufficient. It is made known, it is made powerful in my weakness. So I will boast all the more in my weakness. And so we wanna be people who are not covering over our weakness, hiding our cracks, and always playing this game of look over here, look over here, because we're afraid that people will discover who we really are. Part of the core of that fear is that we feel like if we can fool everybody, we are somehow fooling God. And surely if God knew, he wouldn't allow me into his presence. He would reject me. No, absolutely not. He knows exactly who you are. And with open arms, he says, come, come. 
And so if he's okay in that, then we need to be okay with some of the journey and some of the rough edges and some of the processes and some of the fault starts and some of the redos. Let me just say to you, some of you hate the emotionally healthy spirituality talks that we do because it simply reminds you that you're like, oh, here I am again. I got to restart. Now I got to go back to Jesus and I got to say, I'm sorry that I'm still here in this place. And you got all this shame and condemnation heaping on you that you have to get rid of before you begin the journey. And I would just say to you, the beauty of your heart yearning for a fresh start, that is the joy that the Father has for you. He is not saying, oh, before we start again, let's go through this list of all your failures of why you're still here. He is saying, I am so joyful that you haven't given up and that you want to begin again. And we can do this together. And so we have to take that off of ourselves. Another sign that we might be offering the Lord old wineskins of emotional health or whatever is that we're living without limits. We're trying to do everything all at once, all the time, and we are so busy and we hustle and we move and all it really is when it comes down to it under the guise of whatever it might be, the goals that we're trying to accomplish and the good things that we're doing, I would want you to also consider that there is a possibility that my, when I am busy, I'll just, just, I'll just share myself. When I am overly busy, a lot of times I'm either distracting myself from something the Lord wants to do in my life or with me, or I'm, I'm believing that if I can just accomplish enough things, I'm okay. And I think we have a good father who would sometimes say, hey, let's, let's calm down and let's slow down and allow me to do the deeper work on some of these places that I want to do the work. And when we're living without limits, it can be an indicator that we're offering a different wineskin that he wants us to bring to him. And so what my challenge to you today is simply this, and I'm gonna have the worship team come back up as we have an opportunity here for some ministry time and reflection time and, and um, prayer and communion is open to us as we continue to respond to the invitation for us to take communion to remember the completed work of Jesus. This morning as we take communion, I want you to consider the wineskin of emotional health. Thinking about how Jesus taught that old covenant, that old religious system, my spirit is about to do something new on the earth that has never been seen before. And if I pour my spirit out upon that old covenant system, it's gonna break and it's not gonna be able to contain what I want to do. And so he created a new covenant and that new covenant with his people was able, you all right? It's good, and no, it's fine. Thought you were sneaking up on me. That new covenant and the peep, his people were able to contain the outpouring of the spirit, that we could become containers that the spirit flows out of, right? So I want us to consider in that same way that God is wanting to do something new in your family, in your story, in you individually, in your future, with the things of your past. And if we continue to bring to him this old emotional and spiritual way of doing things that is based more on ourselves, on our appearance, on our effort, on trying to hide and deny and bury things, 
that the new things that God wants to do in your emotional and spiritual health, in your journey of becoming like Jesus, it's not able to contain a fresh outpouring of God's presence and his spirit on you, on your family, on your future, and on your past. And so this morning we have an opportunity, whether that's in communion, in time of prayer with him, in time of worship, I would ask that you would bring before him and just say, Jesus, I am bringing a a, a new wineskin for you to pour out your spirit upon. This is my new wineskin of emotional health where I am willing to be honest with my weaknesses. I'm willing to be open with my feelings. I'm willing to stop denying the past's impact on my present. I'm willing to stop being in congruity, in that place of incongruity between what I am believing and what I'm experiencing. I want to go on that journey with you and I'm ready to offer you this fresh new wineskin of my life that I believe that as you pour yourself out upon is gonna change my story, is gonna change my future, is gonna change the cycles that I'm in. Can we do that this morning as we take a few minutes right now to worship and to pray? And obviously we're gonna continue emotionally healthy spirituality for one more week. And I wanna ask this as honestly as I can. If, if in our journey of talking about these things, you have questions, you have something just super practical that you would like me to talk about or to speak to, or a place of encouragement where hearing this just kind of discourages you, I would love nothing more than for you to send us that question or that thought or that thing this week so that next week I can spend some time just making sure that as we come out of this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series, everyone has a chance to be seen and heard and those things that you're like, yeah, but what about, or this thing, or that, like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So feel free to, to reach out with those questions or those thoughts that you might have. I would, I would love to be able to spend some time next week doing that for you and with you. Jesus, as we take these next few minutes of worship and communion and prayer individually or with someone around us as a family or whatever it is, we thank you, one, that you're always doing a new thing in our story, in our time, in our lives, in our families, in our cities, in our culture, in our nation, and in this world, that you are doing a new thing. But for us individually, we don't wanna keep bringing old patterns and behaviors and thoughts and ways of doing life. We don't wanna keep bringing those to you and see you pour out upon them and, and nothing change. And so this morning, since we're not doubting your outpouring, we are coming and just saying, would you help me bring you a new wineskin of emotions and thoughts and beliefs that would be able to contain the new thing that you're wanting to do in me and through me, in my family and through my family. Holy Spirit, come as you have, but come. Let your presence be known in this place. We ask for permission to feel things we've had bottled up, things we've been pushing down, things that have been dormant, that this is the place and this is the time for those to come out. We don't want them to come out unexpected when we're bumped, when we're hit with something. We want them to be able to be brought out now in this place where you can meet us and you can bring healing to us. Holy Spirit, come and meet us. Come and minister to us. And I ask that every single one of us would leave this place deeply encouraged and not discouraged. Encouraged by what you're doing and who you are and how you meet us. In 
Jesus' name we declare these things.
we move on and go our, our separate ways, let's just take a few moments, just breathe in that restfulness of a good father with us. thank you as we've come to you, as we've been with you, we've allowed you to come to us in places maybe we've pushed you off in moments, whatever it may look like. We thank you that there's no disappointment in your eyes. You're not comparing us to the person next to us, that there's no consternation, oh, wringing of hands when you talk to us, when you look at us, when you exclaim with us, when you rest with us, when you speak to us in simple ways. None of that has disappointment in it. None of it has anxiety. So we just recognize any spot that we hear and feel anxiety or worry or deep identity changing disappointment or whatever it might be. We recognize that it's not your heart, that's not your words and that's not your um, feelings towards us. Thank you for leading us through a few moments, but I pray that it would be a catalyst into our week, Jesus, individually, collectively for our city, for our family, for our schools, for our workplaces. That nothing that starts here ends with us. It passes on. We just thank you for that, Lord. And we say amen together. Happy Sunday. Thanks for being with us. Probably got to go get your kids or pick up some, but feel free to connect with each other. It is Labor Day weekend, but there's a ton of people here. So say hello. Some people you might have not seen for a while. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>